Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're going underground. What lies beneath our feet, our streets, our homes, our cities? On this week's podcast, we're exploring subterranean Barcelona. From water storage systems the size of 20 Olympic swimming pools to Civil War bomb shelters. Joining me to plumb the depths this week are Killian Shields and Guifre Jordan. Good to see you both. Good to be here, Lorcan. Hey, Lorcan, how's it going? Not too bad. You two have spent, it seems, the entire week below the ground. Like, are you adjusting okay to the lights here I'm, and stuff? I'm a little bit disorientated, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I woke up when I was on the way here and I saw this massive ball of fire in the sky and <laughs> I'm a little bit disorientated because it's not something that I've, I've noticed before. Like, is, is everything okay? Like, <laughs> this is normal, is it? This is this is the real world, Killian, you know? And actually, we would have stayed in the underground, to be honest, because now, I mean, it's all disasters here overground. So and what, there's not, there wasn't rats running about and things like that, no? No, no. Actually. Weirdly enough, we actually didn't see any. No. Yeah, but and I was out for a walk actually last night above ground, and I saw a rat. So yeah, there you go. Maybe that's where they all are. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So tell us where have you been? First of all, on Tuesday, I met up with uh, Manuel Marina, who's a tour guide with Cult Ruta. He spoke to me all about ghost stations of Barcelona. These are disused or abandoned metro stations that are just beneath the surface. And he also told me a lot about the old Avinguda de la Llum, which was basically the place to be between the years of about 1940 to maybe, let's say, the mid-70s before it started to decline a little bit. What was it? Avinguda de la Llum, so Avenue of Light? Essentially, yeah, that's it. And it it was... It's an underground shopping center believe right. it or not but okay. it was it was a social hub at the time right we'll hear more about that later on and where else have you been yeah we've been to a water control center so um taking care about all the sewage system in barcelona preventing floods and you know managing uh, all the underground water groundwater and also making sure that beaches are usable let's say right uh, and not me, only Killian. I'm, I'm jealous here. After the control center, you went to a deposit, yep. actually. Exactly, yeah. So I went to one of these rainwater collection deposits where, as you mentioned in the introduction, Lorcan, a lot of uh, water can be held here so that it doesn't become a problem. Essentially, when it rains, uh, the streets don't flood. We might have noticed that in our time living here. There hasn't been severe floods. And this is thanks in part, at least, to these gigantic uh, deposits. Okay, and one other place that uh, you both went, which sounds fascinating, was an old bomb shelter. Yeah, from the Spanish Civil War in back in the 1930s, there are more than a thousand bomb shelters in Barcelona, and some of them can be visited. Okay, well, let's see how you got on. Here's Killian to tell us more. In the colourful neighbourhood of Gracia, we can find the Plaza del Diamant, which is just a, another square that you'll find almost anywhere across Catalonia. It's got some terraces, it's got a, a monument, and it's got two large doors that go underground that look like your typical entrances into car parks. But there's no car park here. These are actually entrances into Refugi Antieri 232, one of the many bomb shelters built beneath the soil of Barcelona during the Spanish Civil War, which took place between 1936 and 1939. Our guide, Josep Contel, a local historian, is the one who has the keys to these refugees. He opens the door to as I said, what looked like the entrances to car parks, and they pull out, showing three large panels full of information. 
Explained on these panels is the tactics of defense. There was an active style of defense and also a passive style of defense. The active side of things was more focused on cannons, shooting down the planes, radios, sirens, alerting people to what was happening. But the defensive side was things like the construction of bomb shelters, ambulances, firefighters, teams to clean up the ruins following bombs, and overall information on how to protect yourself. In Barcelona, there was around 1,400 bomb shelters built, the majority of them constructed by initiatives from civil society. The refugi here in Plaza del Diamante cost two pesetas per week in order to enter, but Josep Contel explains that if it was a case that a neighbour wanted to enter at the time that bombs were falling, they weren't going to be rejected, more so that they would just have to pay after the bombardment had finished. So once you enter the Plaza del Diamante bomb shelter, you immediately turn 180 degrees and then follow down some stairs 12 and a half metres underneath the ground all the time. You've got the roof, for me, just barely above my head. I would say that the height of these refugees are around two metres, so I just barely fit in. So you walk in and corridors are essentially what you find. Uh, There's a lot of benches kind of built by brick, by stone. And it feels like the above ground world is an entire universe away. I think it would be easy to feel quite safe uh, waiting at the bomb raids in here. In the middle of one of these corridors in the tunnels, there's a small area dedicated to the medical treatment of anybody who was injured or hurt or needed any care. I'd imagine you would sit down and wait out the bombing for hours at a time and it would be difficult not to begin to feel a little bit claustrophobic at least but of course a sense of claustrophobia would be a small price to pay for surviving any of the bomb raids Thanks for that Killian. it's a fascinating bit of history and Giuseppe there is obviously very passionate about it as well isn't he Fred? Yeah, he's dedicated half of his life investigating bomb shelters in Barcelona to the extent that he discovered one a very famous one just recently underneath the Catalan government HQ the Palau de la Generalitat in Plaza San Jaume uh, Square I mean, it's how, insane how do, how, do you, how do you discover a new shelter? Oh, there were some plans uh, yeah. ended up uh, in his hands and he started to guess uh, what those plans were about at some point he was very pushy on several people who could grant him access right. to this secret uh, place uh, they did some digging I believe and in the end they they found the place where the Catalan president at the time in the Spanish Civil War, uh, Luis Companys, was hiding uh, when there was some air raids. And in our visit to the bomb shelter, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) um, Exclusive. (laughs) Exclusive. Josep Contel mentioned that he's working and revealing another bomb shelter used by Luis Companys, uh-huh. just close to the Palau de la Generalitat. Okay. I cannot say more. Giffrey because he didn't, is... he didn't say more to me, so basically. Right. <laughs> Giffrey, you're dropping your own bombs here on Film the Sink today. Uh, and you mentioned, as well as the bomb shelters, then uh, these ghost metro stations. I'm fascinated by this. Tell us, tell us about them. 
Yeah, this was absolutely amazing as well. I've been fascinated by them for a long time. So ever since we had this idea to do it, it's I've been pushing for it to hopefully try and visit them. But unfortunately, we didn't get to. But yeah, beneath Barcelona, for one reason or another, throughout the whole city, you can find either completed stations ready to go that were just never opened and to this day still aren't used, or else ones that are sort of half built that didn't get completed. And I'd say the most iconic one is the one called Gaudí. Uh, which is very close to Sagrada Familia. What happened there? Well, they were building the current L2 northbound, but, well, works were slower than expected. Why? Because they found the medieval, uh, the remains of the medieval wall in Sant Antoni neighborhood, and, and then diggings were super slow. And then, well, for some reason, they were a bit in a hurry, and then they changed plans, and they decided that in Sagrada Familia, L2 had to make a turn eastbound uh, for some reason. But they had already built a, a <laughs> brand new station called Gaudí. But, well, because of this change of plans, they decided not to use it and built another one uh, which was more on the way uh, called Sagrada Familia, just a block away. And But no one has uh, gotten on or off a train there in Gaudí, apart from some very exceptional visits that they've organized in the past. And VMB have uh, told us that they are not organizing such tours at the moment. As well as that, though, there's two other ones that really stand out. There's this bank, which was uh, just in the middle of Via Laetana, because there's plenty of uh, tunnels underneath there. There's actually like an urban legend there that said that basically like the, a secret train would like bring all of the revenue that was collected <laughs> in all of the metro stations across the city and bring it to the old Bank of Spain, which was located there at the time. Right. Some historians say it's <laughs> absolutely false. <laughs> we have to say, but it's a good story. Why, why not to feed yeah, this legend? You know? Who can tell? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? And Kellyanne, you said there's another uh, interesting station as well. Exactly, yeah. Correus. Now, this is one that was used for, for decades. They, they only stopped using it in the, in the 1970s when, when they replaced it with the Barceloneta station. Um, but like the, these are absolutely fantastic because you can see all old ads, political posters from the era, and they've got like this really distinct 1970s feel with the designs to it. Like it's 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 amazing. It's like like a time capsule, isn't it? It's just there. It hasn't been touched, you know, in in for 50 years. Fascinating. I just want to say as well, thanks very much to Manuel Marina from Cultruta and from TMB as well. They've lent us some images and some photographs of these ghost stations and where you can see all these ads and political posters that we're speaking about. And they're going to feature in the videos that we'll have throughout the week. Right, okay, yeah. So keep an eye on catalannews.com for those reports and videos. Having good at De La Lume, you mentioned earlier, Kelly, and this was like an underground shopping centre. This was so much more than just an underground shopping centre. Right. This was the place to Please, be Lord, can come around on. like the 40s and 50s. Like it was the it, it was the most lively, the most vibrant place of Barcelona. Right. Anyone who was anyone in the 40s or 50s was hanging out in Avenguda de la Yum. At the entrance to the old Avenguda de la Yum, there used to be these gigantic like ancient Roman columns that are still standing. You not, can still not see real them. Roman columns, I have to say, because we're talking about Not from Roman times, but they take that design. <laughs> You know, we're not talking about the Roman walls here. Whereabouts in Barcelona? Is- yeah, you, so you can still see these columns in the Plaza Catalunya FGC station, which if you enter in the middle of Carrer Pelai, you can still see them there. Like thousands of people walk past them every day, right. probably realize, without necessarily you know? realizing the history that that these carry within them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what what happened? What, what, what if it was so in the forties and fifties? You said this was the place to be. 
Yeah, so it was, it was as I said, it was a shopping centre, but it was much more than that. Like, this was, uh, they, they used to have uh, public showers there. So back then, like, maybe not every apartment or everything would have a shower. So people would typically work until around the Saturday morning. They'd have Saturday afternoon off. They'd collect their weekly wages, come to having de la Yum, looking for a good time. They'd posarse uh, guapo, <laughs> you know, they'd wash themselves, you know, get get their glad rags on, you know, and have a nice, uh, have a nice hangout, you know, maybe meet some other people, things like this. And they'd go looking at all the shops, all the all the shop fronts, essentially, because all the latest technology was like being shown there, and like particularly like domestic appliances, you know, things yeah. like uh, TVs, blenders, TVs, um, vacuum cleaners. So they'd just come and marvel oh, at all of this. Photography shops as well, like all these things was cutting edge at the time. So this is like the place to go to and, spend your time. And we must say this is not that old, because I remember my father t- telling me about having. And him going there as a kid, and and not 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 so young. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, it, it was open from 1940 to 1990, and we have to remember 1940. We're coming just out of the war. Uh, Barcelona was a very grey, a very dark, a very sad place, but Avenida del Yum, as in the name, uh, the Avenue of Light, uh, people went there to look for light, to look for colour, to look for just something a bit more lively. It was closed by the city council then in the 90s because after a while, when some other shopping centres started opening up around the city, basically it sort of turned into a place where people had less and less desire to hang out. Some homeless people started sleeping there. There was a bit of... um, antisocial behavior kind of happening there as well. Like a lot of people would end up doing drugs in the place as well, which was obviously a huge issue, especially around the 70s and 80s as well. So eventually in the 1990s, a lot of shops had already closed. So the city council decided to close the whole thing. Nowadays, the space obviously still exists, but it's been converted into the new Sephora shop, which you can still find today in uh, part of the El Triangle shopping center. So far, we've been talking about all these really interesting things, bomb shelters, abandoned metro stations. But actually a lot of what is underground is a bit more ordinary, you know? It's very essential. Impo- it's very important. It's essential. Much more important than, than ghost but, station, we must yeah. say. But uh, yeah, a little bit more every day. Uh, and to find out more about this urban subsoil that's beneath Barcelona, I spoke to Rosina Bignes, an architect who's currently the director of urban planning in Santa Coloma de Gramanet. Underground infrastructure is really important for the city, like sewage, electricity, uh, internet, or metro, train, etc. As I say sometimes, just joking, it's like the subconscious of the city, make the city work. When you wake up in the morning, one of the first things that you do is to turn on the light. This light, this electricity, comes from the subsoil normally, it's, uh, it's buried under the street. Or maybe you go to the bathroom uh, to wash the face, this water comes from the subsoil. So there's a lot of things that comes from the subsoil and, and this it's essential for living in the city. Your PhD that you did in 2015, I think, on hidden Barcelona at the Polytechnic University of Catalonia, it made a bit of a stir, it appeared in newspapers here. As part of that, you produced a map and drawings showing pretty much everything underground in Barcelona. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I, I was interested in urban subsoil professionally because I was working in, in the Barcelona City Council at that time and I saw that there's a lot of 
problems because there's not a lot of information or the, there's not uh, crossing information of uh, urban subsoil and so this makes that misunderstandings and etc of subsoil for example under Plaza Catalunya there's metro there's train there's uh, car parks there's a uh, tourism information and each one of these different services are not related and the experience of the citizens it's not as comfortable as it should be a central space as the Plaza Catalunya in surface everything is planned and in subsoil it's all uh, a mess so i think that having this drawing make a better description of this uh, bad planning and open the possibility to improve this uh, relationship and what what's going to be in the future is more regulation more regulation to uh, try to better use the subsoil and to try also to use it in an environmental friendly way. If we build all the city in underground, we cannot uh, do the city permeable. And the permeability is really important in order to make the water uh, go down, to avoid have a city with a lot of heat in the summer, etc. So there is an environmental part really important um, in regulating subsoil. That was Rosina Bignes. Many thanks to Rosina for speaking to me this week. Another thing, Gifre, that Rosina mentioned to me, which I found was interesting, was there's actually a whole unit of uh, Catalan police dedicated solely to the underground. A lot is happening uh, underground. I hope they are not only just checking every time ghost stations, they're yeah. doing <laughs> other things, I guess. So, no, basically, uh, one, of the, one of their main points there is whenever there's a big event in Barcelona, for instance, the visit of the King of Spain or something really big like this, they make sure uh, there's... Uh, nothing wrong or nothing suspicious underground or some, you know, mm, suspected bomb or whatever. Yeah. Or, or Rosina actually mentioned as well, sometimes it's a good place to hide evidence, you know, if, if, if some kind of evidence involved in a crime, then, you know, you, you, you throw it down a drain and it disappears, but it doesn't because there's Absolutely. 40 mosses look, looking for it, 40 police officers. And another much more mundane uh, thing that not the mosses, but local authorities in Barcelona do, is making sure that if you ever lose something into a drain, something falls into the, a drain, they can find it, actually. So you can call the local council and they'll make sure uh, you'll get those earphones. Yeah. If, if they can. If, if they can. If it's swept away or anything. Of course. Yeah. And they I, are all, all, they'll try. They'll do their best. Uh, I wonder what the success rate is. That I'm slightly suspicious. 500 items recovered last year. Oh, well. Not okay. that bad. Well, yeah. We don't know how many were lost, though. That's yeah, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> so when I was speaking to Rosina, I also took the opportunity to ask her, what, for her, were the kind of most interesting things about underground Barcelona? And she told me there was three things. The bomb shelters, abandoned metro stations. And the last thing she said to me 
was the water system, which you're going to tell me about now. So we've got the hat trick, all three. Absolutely. Boom. Exactly. Absolutely. Everything you need to know. Yeah, that was amazing. That was very interesting to know how sewage system in Barcelona works. So first you went to the control center. I, I, I'm imagining like screens, Loads of flashing screens. lights. Yeah. Absolutely. Numbers going up and down, Loads red, of, green lights flashing. Loads of computers. Uh-huh. Maps, a lot of maps, a lot of numbers. Yeah, they are in charge of making sure Barcelona is not flooded, basically, especially when it rains. But apart from that, they are in charge of loads of things. We have to say that this is a public company owned by, by the local council. And, you know, whenever it rains, they make sure the level of sewers is okay. They are also in charge of groundwater. Uh, we have natural water flowing beneath us, and they use it, hmm. you know, in order to water gardens. Yeah. This water, by the way, is used to to fill uh, fountains like La Font Magica de Montjuic. Ah, which uh, I'm sure, if anyone's been here as a tourist, they've seen the the light displays there. All this is groundwater. And other things they do, well, they make sure the river mm, Bezos doesn't uh, burst its banks. There's a park uh, just by the bank of, of Bezos. It's very nice to visit if, if, if you haven't done it. But one of the big things there is, you know, all the sewage system and especially the 13 super vast deposits that uh, are found in some specific locations in Barcelona. and Strategic they are, spots. Exactly. And they are basically used in order to hold water when it rains so that not all the water goes to the water treatment plant at the same time. So is this this is then when it, you went to one of these 13, Killian? Exactly, yeah. So just beneath the Parque de Juan Miró, in between Plaza España and the Sants train station, that's exactly where I was. Like, it's probably a thing that people would be there, like, well, enjoying the grass. I've walked and through that park, I don't know, dozens would, of times. And, and same with myself. And only recently have I learned that beneath that, there's, like, there's a whole world of, of things happening. It was a very impressive piece of infrastructure that I saw there. I mean, the deposits that they have there is like separated into two separate ones. One's only eight meters deep, but the other one is 17 meters. So right. when you stand there, either at the at the bottom of it, which I was there at the bottom, as well as the top, like to take in just the vastness of this gigantic space. It's just um, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be an incredible place to have a rave, but <laughs> it'd be, be quite fun. Yeah. We have to say that we have to thank Barcelona Cicla de Laiwa, a company, this local council-owned company that led us uh, in this uh, deposit and also explain how the whole thing works, all the sewage system works, uh, especially the, a senior official there called uh, Gemma Barnett. She was very nice to us. And after all her explanation, she said, but when it rains, sometimes the reason why streets are flooded is something stu- as stupid as leaves in, in street in the drains. Gutters, yeah, clogging the drains, yeah. clogging, clogging the gutters. The drains. Yeah. So uh, all the system works and it is prepared to hold all rains except for one in 10 years. They, they expect like That's some disaster, okay, some major, right. major some disaster. Yeah, once in 10 years. So it's it's pretty good. But for it's, example, Storm Gloria that we had a couple of years ago, that was that was manageable. That was fine, that was fine. wasn't it? Was like, so we didn't yeah. get so we're talking about a weather event even more extreme than that. Absolutely, absolutely. But sometimes, I mean, if drains are clogged because of leaves or whatever, this can be a problem. So this control center also makes sure to send people to clean these drains. The Achilles heel of the whole city. <laughs> when there's some rain alert, yeah. yeah. It sounds amazing. And you were accompanied on your visit, Killian, by our colleague Kim, who took a drone. So if you want to check out that footage, 
That's all on catlannews.com. Time now for our Catlan phrase. What's it this week, Gifrey? Is un pose sense of fonts. Is un pose sense of fonts. Is something without. Uh, is that a well without, de- a without well? depth? Or yeah. without, uh, without, without. Or a bottomless well. A bottomless well. We got there. Does it exist in English, really? Yeah, but it's yeah. just. To, like if there's something. If there's an abundance of something. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, really? You're not saying. I've like, got a bottomless well of gold. Of knowledge. Or whatever. Or, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Ah, knowledge of the underground in this podcast. We say poda ciencia. Is un poda ciencia someone very wise? Well of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, pose sense of fonts is something that is going bad and continues going bad and bad and bad and, and it, it without never, yeah, yeah w- without end you know especially I don't know for instance football you know you're, you've lost uh, your last five matches but Barca you lose again moment, so. <laughs> so that's a you a, never find the, the end to bad luck or to bad news that's a pose and a funds exactly and that's us for today big thanks to everyone that we spoke to this week if you'd like to get in touch with us, we have a brand new email address. It is fillingthesink at acn.cat. Fillingthesink at acn.cat. And subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whichever podcast app you use. Give us a like, a rating, a review. It all helps. Thanks very much, Gifrey and Killian, for joining me today. A pleasure. Cheers, Lorcan. We're back again next Saturday with another episode. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.